I'm joined by Joe Hill, co-founder of One Planet Pizza. Thank you so much for joining me, Joe. Hey, pleasure, Daniel. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show. It's a, it's a real honor. Um, can you please give a, a two-sentence just elevator pitch about One Planet Pizza so we can kind of let give some context on what we're talking about today? Absolutely. Uh, so we are One Planet Pizza. We're the UK's first and leading frozen vegan pizza company. Uh, we hand-stretch uh, from scratch a range of award-winning artisan frozen vegan pizzas and... The idea is that these are better for you, better for the planet, and better for the animals. Excellent. So that's a, I think that's a really great way to start, uh, or a really great way to explain it. Um, and I'm curious to know, we'll save this in for just a second, that word hand stretch or term sounds really interesting and very delicious. So, but why, yeah. <laughs> so you, you mentioned a couple of, of key things there. So could you summarize why, why is the work you're doing important for the environment? Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know how many uh, documentaries you've watched recently, but the world is changing a lot. Mm. And with, uh, with these fires in Australia, we had the, the fires in the Amazon over the last two years. Yeah. Um, and all the work that David Attenborough is doing to raise awareness about climate change. Um, and one of the things that often gets missed out is how important what we eat and drink on a daily basis as consumers is towards the effects on climate change. So um, our, what we do is our, our company and our pizzas, so we use them as a tool, a vehicle for raising awareness for the impact of what we eat on uh, on the climate. Um, and so I, I don't know if you know this sort of, uh, it's, it's now a really sort of far and widely shared fact that um, animal agriculture produces more carbon emissions than uh, transportation combined, all transportation combined across the planet. Yeah. Um, and so uh, a, a, a really popular graduate from um, Oxbridge recently conducted a, uh, one of the largest studies on uh, the environmental impact of the different food types we eat in the UK. Mm -hmm. And he found conclusively that the, the single most effective thing an individual can do as a consumer is cut out meat and dairy um, to help save the planet. So, uh, so that's what we try and champion as a small ethical uh, pizza producer. Interesting. Yeah. I think that's, um, I have heard that. And I recently read a really good book, um, which is called we are the weather by Jonathan Safran Foyer. Um, I haven't watched too many documentaries yeah. cause I think the, um, I can't really handle the images that, that go along with, these kind of documentaries. Um, so I tend to avoid the video, mm. but the, the book was basically saying just how important uh, it is as in terms of what we as individuals can do um, to help with the environment. Uh, it's yeah. really what he, what he was saying is at the very minimum um, only basically don't eat any animal-based products for breakfast or lunch at the very minimum. Um, so I guess mm. you're kind of describing why this, why this is important. And um, so the, the pizzas you have are, are vegan um, and it's to champion this, um, this, this idea that animal products are bad for the environment. Where exactly is the problem with, animal products in terms of the environment? 
it's, it's how we mass produce things nowadays to to cope with demand in a growing population. Mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, if, if you go and look at or Google, um, you know, factory farming, industrial farming on a global scale, it's it's just enormous. Yeah. Um, one of these, I, I mean, don't quote me on the exact numbers, but if if you exclude ice, uh, so you call it dry land, is is any land on Earth that isn't ice uh, or water? And it's it's something ridiculous, like 40, 50 percent of that total land mass is occupied by animal agriculture, wow. which is which you know, includes the farming, uh, raising the cattle um, and all the space in between that uh, that involves getting that food to a point where we can kill it and eat it. Um, so it takes up an enormous amount of land mm-hmm. and it's incredibly inefficient way of getting of consuming our calories because essentially what we're doing is we're creating a middleman so that uh, all the grains that we grow uh, across the planet are fed to these animals which we don't have to uh, you know get to the size where they are then big enough to kill and eat um, which is an incredibly efficient Uh, so we're, we're feeding up the middleman to then kill it to then eat those calories which obviously you know, 75, 80% of those calories have been wasted through that process. Yeah. Um, so what, what vegans say now is, well, look, you know, we, we've, with all the evidence out there, it's pretty obvious we can cut out this middleman and eat all that food ourselves and, um, and save a heck of a lot of energy in the process. Yeah. I think it's interesting. Um, there are certainly, I think that's, you're speaking specifically about this factory farming, which is absolutely mm. terrible, especially considering sounds like you're primarily referring to cows, but it happens with, um, with pigs and chickens as well. Th- this diet isn't healthy or natural for these animals, um, which kind of almost makes the problem worse because, as you're saying, we're, we have to feed the animals food, which otherwise mm. humans can eat. So, um, yeah, indeed, you're, you're kind of taking up land twice, once for the animal, once for the food for the animals and then for the animals themselves. Um, just yeah. at a, I'm curious to know, um, we have, um, I've interviewed a couple of people on the show who are actually using animals as part of their farming practices. So um, they're only feeding them them grass and they use it as a way to kind of like mow the grass almost um, yeah. and as a way to, um, as a way to kind of keep the, the nature sort of healthy. That's, that's their take on it. Um, is there, a, is that something that you would, um, that you see as excluded from the factory farming and that's not really part of the story or is that, um, would it kind of all fit into the same, uh, I guess, sphere in terms of animal agriculture? Yeah, I think it's great that that people are making an effort to try and bring animals into the forefront of attention and and move away from factory farming. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't help with the wider issue necessarily. Mm-hmm. So I think I think we try and stay focused when we talk about these really um, relevant and current and you know very important topics when it comes to animal agriculture and trying to save the planet and uh and you know and, and save animals essentially um we yeah. always try and focus on the bigger picture so so we have a lot of people asking you know well i i grow um you know i have a small farm i have my own chickens and they live a happy healthy life and and then we kill them yeah. as they get older um and, and we obviously eat their eggs and those isolated, um, 
isolated situations are great and we you know essentially we don't have a big problem with those our problem is with the factory farming the mass farming yeah. um and and you know and a lot of this organic farming and this um and what you mentioned these individual cases um whilst they are good i don't think they're helping with deal with the bigger problems and, and also they're not scalable so you can't i think one of the issues that cowspiracy touched on uh, in that documentary mm-hmm. um, is that organic farming can actually be worse when it comes to cattle specifically oh, really? because they take up more land um, and I think they have to eat eat more food because they live longer and healthier, happier lives. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you actually do the maths and scale that up, um, it actually causes more problems with the environment and, and produces more carbon emissions. Interesting. So it's, it's a really, it's a really big issue because while there are some people who are trying to, you know, earn a living and have, you know, have farms and they don't have an alternative and, and they want to, you know, do it more sustainably, sustainably. Um, I fundamentally don't know if that's possible based on everything I've seen. And, and I think that the way forward is, is just to work out how to cut out that middleman and, and to just take it back a step and, um, and, you know, come up with solutions for these farmers to grow other crops that we can eat directly ourselves. Yeah. And uh, it, it's much more uh, energy efficient. Absolutely. And I think moving over to the, uh, to the health aspect, um, I just watched recently Game Changers, which I think was a big, uh, I was hoping you'd say you'd watch that. Yeah. That's the, the only, um, and, and he uses, um, the term plant-based. Uh, I noticed yeah. that he never actually, as far as I remember, said the word veganism, uh, in the film. And I think he did that very, very, uh, deliberately. Um, but yeah, I, yeah. After I watched that, the, it was so well done um, that I said, basically, I, I need to try this. There is no way that after watching that film, I cannot try going plant-based or in, or the way I interpreted it, interpreted it was basically veganism. And um, yeah, for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's basically following the uh, the story of someone who got injured. He was a um, like a, a martial artist, and through his process of getting um, a getting rehabilitated and through health element uh, for his health uh, he basically went vegan and supposedly he through because of that he ended up uh, healing his injuries much faster and he became stronger so he f- just started looking at all these different um, athletes essentially and started seeing who was on a vegan diet and turns out a lot of people are and it works really well for them um, and so I know you, uh, you've been vegan as well for about, what is it, three or four years now? Yeah, it's about four or five years four I've been vegan. Years. Yeah, and I was, I was vegetarian um, since the age of 10 when I was old enough to yeah. make that decision myself and, and understand uh, where my food was coming from and, and, make, yeah, and make those choices. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was very fortunate as a kid because I had a good variety, uh, a very open-minded parents. So my dad was yeah. a vegan. Um, He's my other business partner for One Planet Pizza, and he's been vegan um, for 35 years. So that was always around me, and and uh, I've got two sisters, and and one of them's now vegan as well, and and the other one's a carnivore, and, and my mum's uh, pescatarian. Oh, so wow. we've got we've got the whole uh, we've got the whole collection of dietary requirements. Yeah, so lots of uh, philosophies to pull from. And 30, Absolutely. 35 years is a very long time. And in terms of the health benefits, um, I mean, I don't think your dad would be eating uh, or being vegan for 35 years if he wasn't seeing any health benefits from it. 
he's living proof that it can be done and yeah. you, you can thrive as well. Not not just survive on a vegan diet, but uh, what's more important is that, you know, he, he is evidence in, in living form that, uh, you know, he's he's now 55, 56 mm. and he's still running marathons. Wow. Uh, you know, he, he absolutely thrashed me this summer uh, when we did a marathon for the vegan uh, charity Beaver, okay. uh, who run sort of national campaigns to raise awareness of, about um, the, you know, the impact of animal agriculture on the climate. Mm. But uh, yeah, so he's, he's, he's done some Ironmans over the last wow. five or six years, which uh, I don't know if you've heard of them, but they, they're, heard like, of them. they're like top level endurance um, events. And, you know, it's, it's crazy what he's still doing. And, uh, you know, he hardly gets injuries. Mm. He hardly has to go to the doctor uh, or the dentist. He's, um, he's testament to the plant-based diet and being able to thrive on it as, as an athlete. Yeah. So fantastic. I think um, we're, always, we're always talking about that. Yeah. And I, I think it's, it's important to mention, and that's kind of where this whole idea of game changers or the film really comes into play is that it is, thriving rather than surviving and i think that's really important it doesn't make sense to make these kind of pretty big changes to your lifestyle if you're just going to survive uh you really do exactly. need to thrive and feel great and um be able to do to do your work and live your passions and, mm. and all of that and if if a change in lifestyle like this helps you do that then i think that's that's fantastic um yeah i certainly feel much better on it the last three or four years as well mm. Yeah, that that's that's really awesome. It's um yeah, I'm I'm certainly I I have to say that I haven't committed to it a hundred percent, but I'm actively following um the book's recommendation that I was mentioning earlier, We Are the Weather, um by Jonathan Safran Foyer, where um I'm I'm not eating any animal products for breakfast or lunch. Um, oh brilliant. And that's like yeah. an, an easy way, I think, to ease into it because um breakfast and lunch it it's easy, you know, I mean, breakfast, you, there's so many breakfast foods that have no animal products in them kind of already that people w would eat. I mean, peanut butter is easy. Um, or, I mean, I sometimes just skip breakfast altogether because I'm not hungry. I feel great for doing it. And then lunch is easy, big salad. It's nice, feels really refreshing. And then in the evening, yep. that's where I think the most pressure is for most people anyways in the evening because you, you go out with friends and you have dinners and it gets really difficult. So at the very least, if you're focused on breakfast and lunch, then you get used to this notion of not eating animal products. Uh, and I'm no no Absolutely. noticing that sometimes even for dinner, I'm just on a roll and I don't, I don't want anything. I just think, you know, it's, it's so easy to not have any animal products that I'll have like a nice tofu thing or something with a lot of beans and rice. Yeah. Um, and I always feel really light and, um, yeah, just kind of like sort of free almost. I can't really describe it. <laughs> Yeah, it's really interesting because uh, obviously we we're out there doing events and yeah. uh, you know our, our whole lives are built around um, veganism. But we, I, I personally prefer the term plant based because I think if if we want to influence um, the most change possible with the time we have, yeah, um, then then I think using the term plant based it has fewer connotations, it has less stigma, Absolutely. it's much more it's much more friendly and inviting to the average consumer. Yeah, uh, we've we've changed our packaging to adapt a lot more um, terminology around plant-based living because we find it, it is more inviting and, and people can, they feel they can jump in and out of it. Yeah. Uh, like you say, you know, having your breakfast and lunch plant-based uh, and then it takes the pressure off you to go fully vegan 
and um and, and when we meet a lot of people they say i want to go vegan but i just don't know if i can do it 100 exactly and uh, and I'm, I'm forever saying you know that's great you know we don't expect you to start running marathons before you've even gone for a, a park run yeah um you know you can't you can't do these things straight away and you know it's it's all about um taking it one step at a time and, and doing what works for you yeah so uh, yeah, I'm 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 all about using the term plant based, which which goes back to game changers being so effective. Mm. And I think partly it is because they didn't have the uh, the weight surrounding it with the word veganism and the expectations that lie with it. I think that's a really good point, and I'm I feel like we can talk about this um, all day because I have so many other things <laughs> yeah. to say, and I, I yeah I, I really want to jump into the actual pizza because um, I had. Uh, to prepare for this, uh, for our conversation, um, this was by far some of the most research, the most fun research I've done. I, I went out and um, had to get some of the the pizza. So I, I, I work next oh, to a, a tough job, isn't it? I know it's hard work. Um, <laughs> so I got the um, exotic fungi uh, pizza um, from from a shop nearby and. Uh, I had it and it was fantastic. Um, and oh, I, I'm glad you said that. Yeah. Um, I, ha I had the, um, I also purchased the, I, I can't, I'm blanking on the name right off the top of my head, but it's the one with all the vegetables on it. Yeah. The roasted Mediterranean vegetable. Exactly. That one, yeah. it looks very good, but just, um, I wasn't able to organize myself in terms of, um, having a, having a chance to taste it. So I'll let you know how, how it is when I have it. Yeah. Um, the very first thing I noticed, which I think is probably, at least in my opinion, maybe the most important factor. And I'd love to hear your opinion on this was the cheese. Um, it's actually stretchy and it tastes good. It doesn't taste like I've had some, um, some vegan cheeses, which taste like coconut or they taste like mm. something else. Um, but this one actually tasted cheesy and it, it tasted similar to pizza. So what, I mean, what's the most important ingredient? I know that you also hand make all your sauce. So what makes a pizza? I mean, cause you're, you're trying to really make it delicious. So what's the most important factor to focus on? Yeah. So coming out as the UK's first frozen vegan pizza company, there is a lot of pressure yeah. to deliver because this isn't just coming out with another frozen pizza. It's, you know, it's, it's a tool for change. It's a, mm. it's a message. It's a statement which, you know, we're coming out saying we think this is as good, if not better than what you've already been eating and what's you know already available on the market. Yeah. And, and it comes with a strong message. You know, it says we're here for change. Um, you know, this is, this isn't just a good tasting uh, ready meal. This is something which is going to help make the world a better place. You know, it's, it's not going to start with one pizza, but it's it's going to do something. Yeah, um, that is a lot of pressure. So a lot of a lot of pressure. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so the the cheese had to be right because that's the first thing that we get asked from probably ninety percent of people. Interesting is, is uh, you know does it have cheese on it? What what is the cheese made of? And does it taste and look and feel like real cheese? Because essentially, if it doesn't, um, most of the people out there aren't going to buy it again. You know, they're going to go back to eating a normal pizza because. Yeah. It has to taste good. It has to taste similar um, for uh, most people to to be willing to keep buying it. So, so cheese was number one. Uh, we we use V bites, uh, mm -hmm. Cheesely, so Z L Y at the end of cheese. Yeah, uh, and we worked with their food technologist team um, because we realised that this has to not just taste like cheese, but it has to really feel like cheese, and it has to have that nice mozzarella pull to it. Yeah. Um, 
you know people aren't going to give up cheese if they can't find a good replacement no. i think it's that simple yeah i heard um i was talking to someone else who's leads a, a plant-based lifestyle to use that term and yeah. um he said that he listens to a lot of podcasts and reads a lot about it and he said that typically the the most difficult thing for a person who's transitioning from like a an omnivore diet to a, a plant-based one is cheese that's the last mm. thing typically to go um, which I think is testament to how important this factor is. And I, I would imagine basically what you're saying in terms of the mozzarella pull, it's not just the flavor, but it's the texture as well, which is absolutely crucial. It's a whole experience. Yeah. yeah. So pizza is the number one um, fast food in the whole world. It's oh, um, wow. so taking on a big challenge here. Trying, we're trying to reinvent the wheel, essentially. <laughs> Um, Big job. We made sure we did our research. I mean, we've we've probably tasted more vegan cheeses than uh, than anyone else on the planet. Um, Tough job. And yeah, we, we've melted them, we've frozen them, we've left them for six months, twelve months, cooked them, and uh, and we started off by using cheese. So it's cheese with an S. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the company that produced cheese are called, called Butte Island, okay. and it's a tiny island of, of, of the Scottish Highlands. Oh wow, must be um, They were who we were using first. A really good vegan cheese alternative. Um, but we were having a lot of people, less vegans but more flexitarians and reducers, were starting to buy our pizzas as we were growing, and they were saying, "Well, this cheese tastes great, but when I bring my pizza out the oven, it doesn't look anything like real cheese. It's mm. a bit watery, and I cut it, and it's a bit runny and gooey." Um, so we knew we had to, you know, if, if we wanted to become a big company that's going to take on these serious issues and yeah. help people reduce their meat and dairy intake, then we need to get this cheese right straight away. Um, so we work with a food technologist from V-Bytes. Um, and what and is V-Bytes? Because that's, um, I think, a really interesting partnership that you have. Yeah, about, uh, so in the last two years, we initially started, when we started four or five years ago, we initially crowdfunded. Uh, we were the first company to crowdfund within the vegan plant-based community. Cool. And that helped us, um, you know, get started, get our feet off the ground, start making pizzas and, and getting the word out there. And then we, we kept growing um, and expanding. And so uh, about a year and a half ago, we, we got some further investment from Heather Mills. Mm. Um, so she's a relatively well-known celebrity in the plant-based world. And uh, she's doing some incredible things. Um, but she also, alongside everything else, runs V-Bytes, which is one of the UK's leading um, sort of meat alternative producers. And uh, she also does a range of cheeses. So as part of this investment with Heather, we said, you know, we, we need to improve our cheese. We need to build on this. We need to make it not just taste like cheese, but it needs to feel like cheese. And it needs to be that experience where you buy a pizza, you cook it, and that you ping it out of the oven. And it's got that lovely, you know, that bubbling melted brown cheese and yeah. you cut it. And you pull it and you know it has that stringy gooiness and it has to have that um, little kind of golden and, and so, brown mm, yeah oh, you never realize how important cheese is until you take it out of your yeah. diet and, and you start making it for other people yeah but, I, uh, I mean luckily we had a brilliant food talent technologist work with us and we created what we think is the best stretchy pizza cheese out there at the moment uh, which is really exciting and it, it's it's something which we use as as i said before a, a bit of a vehicle for for uh, for helping people change and and can reconsider, uh, you know what vegan food looks and tastes like. Yeah. Um, Would you ever consider, um, or do you actually just sell the cheese on its own? I imagine that people who are plant based or or dairy free, for example, 
they would want a cheese alternative, especially if it works so well and it's so tasty. I mean, I'd buy that cheese just as it is. Absolutely. Yeah, so V-Bites do sell this cheese. Okay. Um, you can buy it grated or in blocks. And oh, wow. it's just, uh, it's called V-Bites Cheesely, so Z-L-Y at the mm. end of cheese. Um, I think it's mostly available in Morrison's. They have their online store as well. Oh, okay. Uh, but we still recommend cheese as well, uh, which is in, in a lot of supermarkets. They're both brilliant cheeses, mm. and, uh, and they both melt very well. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, anyway, so going back to the question, cheese is the number oh, yeah. one. It has to be, we have to get that right. And uh, and we go around the country now advocating this vegan cheese we have because it's such an important thing for people who are on that journey. It's still the number one. M- moving over to the other ingredients because the pizza ultimately isn't just a block of cheese that's melted. There are uh, a lot of other ingredients. And what I really like about uh, your story at One Planet Pizza is that it's um, all the ingredients you get are local. Or, or at least you try yeah, as hard as you can. Yeah, yes. We source uh, all of our ingredients and packaging locally wherever possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because we are a pizza, an artisan pizza producer, uh, we do find that the best tomatoes and flour does come from Italy still. Okay. You know, these guys have been making pizzas longer than anyone else. That's true. Yeah. So we have to get, to, if the best ingredients flavor-wise come from Italy, then we have to find a way of getting them. Yeah. Um, but when it, in terms of the other ingredients, so our bases, we keep as simple as possible. But when we started making these pizzas from scratch, um, it was just Mike and me in, in his kitchen in Norwich, uh, just doing some late night testing and, and trying to create these four recipes before we launched. And what we did was, I think it was an advantage at the time, is we, we didn't have an enormous amount of experience in the food production side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike owned a restaurant. We both like cooking. We were both passionate about um, cooking from scratch but you know we hadn't been making other ingredients or products to sell before so we we stripped back all of those ingredients that you'd find in other pizzas and we started just with the you know the absolute basics which was flour yeast salt water and um, we found that you didn't need to add a lot of these uh, artificial you know flavorings ingredients um, to to preserve things you know if you got the ingredients right from the start you could actually keep it very basic and very simple yeah um, one of the things we added from the start was flax seeds. Okay. So flax seeds um, can be grown in this country uh, very effectively and efficiently. Um, and what we do is we buy these in bulk, we ground them up ourselves, and we add these and infuse these into all of our bases. And if you buy our, our pizzas and look through the base, you know, from underneath, you'll see these these little broken up pieces of flax seed, mm. um, which are an absolute powerhouse in terms of their nutritional benefits. Yeah. They're incredibly high in omega free. They've got that great ratio of the omegas, um, but really good source of protein and fiber as well. Uh, so we infuse those into every single base to make sure they, they're as healthy as they can be, uh, which is something no other pizza company is doing. Um, and then with our homemade tomato sauce, again, we keep it as simple as we can. So just Italian tomatoes, um, your two classic herbs, which have to go into a pizza sauce, which is oregano and basil. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a little bit of salt. And then what makes us so special is we add a lot of fresh garlic, which mm-hmm. uh, traditional Italian pizzas don't tend to do that much. You won't find garlic in a lot of pizza sauce in Italy. But uh, we find with the UK palate, um, and especially in the vegan um, plant-based community, people tend to love garlic. So yeah. we've, we've, uh, we've made sure we put a lot of garlic in it and people tend to like that. Uh, but the secret ingredient in our sauce, which we always champion, is uh, is is chia seeds, chia seeds. Okay. 
Um, you've probably heard about these. I've right? heard of They're, them. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I've seen them everywhere, and there's drinks with them, but I, I don't really know the uh, the magic behind it. Yeah, so chai seeds are, are just these tiny little seeds, which again are an absolute powerhouse when it comes to nutrients. Mm -hmm. um, so they actually contain all of the essential amino acids that oh, humans really? need, I did not which is which is an incredible fact yeah. because there aren't many products out there that do that. No, um, and so we we use these to thicken up our pizza sauce naturally. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas a lot of companies would use artificial thickeners. Um, you'd, you'd see those in the ingredients if you look through, you know, a, a mainstream pizza yeah, in yeah. the frozen or refrigerated sector. They'll have a lot of artificials in there. Yeah, a bunch of uh, uh, we, we ingredients you can't really uh, pronounce at all. The ones you can't pronounce. Yeah. yeah. So with chia seeds, we, we always thought, let's put these in the sauce because they're so healthy, they're so nutritional but they don't actually um, impact on the flavor at all. Um, so I put them in the sauce, make them healthier without having any you know, drawbacks. Yeah. And what, what we found by accident is that actually they were thickening up our tomato sauce. So they were having a functional purpose as well as, as uh, increasing their health benefits. Um, so now we talk about how our natural thickener is chia seeds. So it's not just practical and it helps the sauce stay on the pizzas when we're producing them, but it comes with all these health benefits, which mean that uh, all of our pizzas are a source of omega-3. Yeah, it's fantastic. I think um, moving over to the health benefits, um, an interesting thing that um, I'm noticing is that when, so I, I went for about three weeks after watching Game Changers where I was 100% more or less plant-based. Uh, and one of the things that I was kind of difficult for me to, um, to get used to was I kind of always felt hungry. Um, and that's, partially probably because I, I wasn't, I just went cold tofurkey as I like to call it. And, um, I, <laughs> I've not heard that word before. That's good. <laughs> and, um, I didn't, um, I, I probably didn't do all the research, but an important part of feeling full is making sure that you have all of your, uh, nutrients and, and getting all of your, um, vitamins and minerals and everything. And so it, I think it's really great to hear that you're including these extra ingredients like the uh, flaxseed and the, and the chia seeds, as I say, um, uh, because it allows you to get all of those important proteins, which help makes you feel full. Um, and so what, you know, I know that, that you're very proud of the, um, of the health benefits of, of your pizza, because um, traditionally speaking, I mean, at least when I think pizza, I don't think healthy. Uh, what are the so health benefits or how does your pizza compare on a health scale to the average stuff that I could get? I'm glad you asked actually. <laughs> Me too. Um, so our pizzas, what we did was we took the nutritional uh, values of our pizza and then we compared it to uh, six, six or seven of the leading frozen pizzas out there. So the good fellas, the Chicago town, all the big boys out there uh, that we're essentially up against. And, um, we took all their nutritional values as well, um, and we compared them to ours. And what we found was we knew we had a feeling ours would be healthier, but we didn't realize that ours would contain 50% to over 50% less salt and sugar compared to these leading mainstream uh, frozen pizzas, wow. um, which is something we now have as a stamp on the front of every single pizza because we think this is, uh, this is something that's so significant. We can't ignore this. And, and we think people really will value this when they're buying our pizza, which hopefully, you know, it tastes as good, if not better, yeah. but just as important, you're not having half as much salt and sugar, which are the two things you just don't need to have in a ready meal. Obviously you need some for flavor, but 
you don't need you don't need half as much as that you're getting in these frozen pizzas. Mm-hmm. So that's part of the stripping back all the ingredients uh, without without uh, losing the flavor. Yeah. An interesting thing that just occurred to me, um, I, I typically, I'm just thinking about myself on a day-to-day basis, I would never buy a frozen pizza to eat at home because I think, you know, I, I'm just aware they're not very healthy and I prefer to have a whole kind of, like a whole food diet as in um, yeah. no processed foods and all of that. Um, but if I really craved a pizza now, it's almost like, and it, it sounds like this is kind of the strategy in terms of um, uh, sort of getting others like me who I'm not fully committed to a plant-based diet, but now all of a sudden I could have this plant-based pizza for dinner one night. And um, it's a really easy thing because it's almost like a treat, but as I'm reading the ingredients and hearing about what's in it, it's, I'm finding, I don't find anything scary in there. I don't really, I can't really make an argument for it being like complete junk food. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. It's a treat, but it's not such a bad treat. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, (laughs) you got me now. It's like all my arguments for why I wouldn't eat it are sort of just being stripped away because I mean, it's, it's just not nearly, it's, it's almost good. And, mm. and it's local ingredients, which I'm a big proponent of. I, I want to make sure that I eat locally uh, for the most part. I mean, Italy is relatively close to us here in the UK. So it's, um, it's not like flying yeah. them over. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and not to mention, I know that when I, when I actually buy the pizza, um, the stuff I have to throw away, so the packaging, um, it's not quite the same um, as other regular pizzas. So what, what's different about OPP's packaging? As part of our um, sort of mission to be the most sustainable frozen pizza in the world, um, we couldn't just focus on the ingredients. It has to go right through when it comes to ready meals. Um, so what we did was we, we sourced these locally as well, which is really important to us. We use two local companies for all of our packaging at the moment. Um, and as far as we know, one of our biggest claims is that our pizza box is actually 100% compostable. So you can put that, if, if you've got a compost bin at the end of your garden, you can just throw the, uh, the pizza box straight in there. Wow. But if you put that in the ground, essentially it will just degrade over time. Yeah, so not just the fact that the box is compostable, but also we made sure the inks are vegan friendly, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when it comes to the sleeve that goes around the pizza box, yep. um, that comes from a carbon positive company, which is it's one more than carbon neutral in terms of their efforts to be as sustainable as possible. Huh. Um, and all of this packaging is from uh, partly recycled materials, which we're trying to improve, but it's at least half recycled materials. Yeah. Um, and everything can be either composted or recycled. So the wrap can be recycled. Um, and then one thing we did recently, which we were really proud of, was we became one of the first uh, pizza companies to use a recyclable cling film. It goes around the actual pizza itself. Yep. Uh, so we, we moved over to a PE cling film plastic, which is slightly thicker than a mm-hmm. traditional plastic. And it means that if you take off any of the food waste and make sure it's clean, then that can go in your recycling bin as well. Um, but we don't stop there. We're always thinking of ways we can push boundaries in terms of being more sustainable and yeah. more responsible about our packaging. Uh, we, we recently invested in a cardboard shredder. Okay. And so the reason being is we're getting a lot of our ingredients turn up in, in excess cardboard, uh, which obviously you can recycle everything in our, in our kitchen can be thrown in recycling waste. But 
we know that there is an issue with recycling um, and it's not the most efficient way of, of, um, of you know, continuing the use of these, um, these materials because yeah. a lot of recycling isn't actually recycled when you look into it, which is a big concern of ours. So we looked at how we can reuse this material, uh, which we think reusing is more important than just recycling. Absolutely. It gives it another life and then it can re- be recycled after that. So with our cardboard waste, we've now got a shredder at the end of every shift. Some of our staff will shred the cardboard and then we'll use that for insulation in our boxes where we send out samples, prizes and and pizzas for our new direct consumer service as well. Um, And it's something we champion to hope that other brands can learn from that and we can guide them into doing similar things. But also it's just about reducing the amount of packaging that just goes straight from us into the recycling system, which we know is inefficient. Um, so at least if we can give it another life and encourage people to then recycle it, um, we hope that that, you know, that will help things, but also stimulate a little bit of change in the way that other people think about how they can upcycle and reuse what they already have. Yeah. I think that's, that's really important to do. And also the, the nice thing I, I, as a, um, kind of byproduct of that is that now you don't have to buy any packaging. So you end up saving money as a business, which is yeah, it's twofold. Yeah. It's twofold. That's the the interesting thing I'm I'm not, noticing and learning as the more and more businesses I speak to is actually a lot of these practices that are good for the environment and being sustainable actually end up being really good for the company as well financially speaking because it just means buying less and kind of having to just use less stuff and you end up saving money everywhere um, by being a little bit clever on how you take advantage of what you already have and use. Um, so that, that recyclable, yeah. the recyclable cling film is really interesting because most of the time, like, yeah, you said it's very thin typically, and then you just, um, end up chucking it. But this one, uh, is special because as long as it's clean, it can just be recycled. Is it, absolutely? is it even necessary? I mean, is it possible to just not have it so that people don't throw it away at all? Yeah, because of the nature of our product, we have to wrap it so that it's food safe. I see. Um, just because of the way it, it ends up in the consumer's hands. But what we're looking at, and, and it looks like it's getting this way, is that we can move over to compostable cling film. Okay. Um, it's something we're waiting for. And we know that there are a lot of scientists and developers out there working on it. Mm-hmm. So I, I imagine in the next few years, um, Companies like us will be able to move over to a, a cling film, which is totally compostable, which is ideal for us because it's. I th- we think it's one better than recyclable. Absolutely, yeah, um, that makes sense. And so, in, in terms of um, what's coming up in the in the years ahead, I think you, you've mentioned that 2020 is um, when we were speaking earlier. That 2020 is a really exciting year for you. Um, so, what are some of the the cool things that you're looking forward to? We've actually hit the ground running. So, we've just launched our gluten free. Um, margarita which is our first first new flavor in three or four years since we launched we're we're not renowned for releasing lots of products we we sort of we work on what we do we try and get it right mm-hmm. and um and you know then we do a lot of market research we do a lot of product taste testing quality control um and we make sure it's as good as it can be before we launch something so the gluten-free is a first for us yeah. it's a real step into into that gluten-free market I think it's a good uh, one, yeah. because we know there's a there's a big crossover between gluten-free and plant-based oh, right, um, okay. and, and so we were getting more and more requests for us to do a you know a, a vegan frozen pizza that happens to also be gluten-free hmm. uh, so we're really excited to say we've we've now 
I launched this product on Ocado and it's working its way through most of our independent health stores uh, around the country. And, and we're hoping to launch it um, into some larger retailers soon as well. Awesome. Yeah. But that's out there and we're, st- we're starting to get feedback on that, which is really exciting. And, uh, and this year is just going to be about pushing that product um, and, and, you know, getting noticed by the consumers who have been waiting for it. Yeah, I think the uh, the gluten free is a really important one. Um, there's there's so many people who are becoming um, very conscious of their gluten intake, and um, I think it's uh, if you can avoid it and it tastes the same, uh, why not? I mean, it's it's fantastic. Is it difficult to remove gluten from from your product in ju- or just in general? With with pizza, it's a real challenge because I don't know if you've ever tried any gluten free flour, um, gluten free bread or, or yeah, dough. I've, yeah, I've taken um, it. I've eaten it. Yeah, it's off, if, if you get a gluten free pizza, it's it's often very thin crust. Yeah, uh, because they struggle to get it to rise, and it, it, it just doesn't have that doughiness and that stretchiness. So they're often yeah. super thin. Um, they crack quite easily. Yeah, I was, I was going to say they um, kind of crumble as well. Yeah, and they have almost like a sandy texture, yeah. um, which is it's very far removed from how you want a pizza to taste. Indeed, yeah. <laughs> um, we, we tried to develop this ourselves, actually, and um, for about two years, and we just, we just couldn't crack it. So we worked with one of the UK's leading free-from experts, guys over at a company called Lab Pizza. Um, they're, they're based just north of London, mm. and they, they specialize purely in gluten-free bases. Wow. And so we worked with these guys and, and, and basically said, you know, we've been trying this and perfecting, trying to perfect this, but it's, we need your help. So we got these experts on board. Um, Martin, who runs the companies from Italy, which always helps. That helps a lot. And, yeah. and we, we, with him, we've, we've created this base uh, with Lab Pizza that we think is the best on the market. Oh, and we've given it our magic. We've given it our magic homemade tomato sauce. Uh, some buffalo tomatoes, mm. three types of our favorite bites, cheesily, and uh, and we've launched it, and we're getting some really brilliant, exciting feedback. Uh, so now it's about just getting the message out there, and and we're getting a lot of happy, happy, excited um, new gluten-free customers uh, that we can now uh, get eating more plant-based, healthier food, which is something you know we're really proud of. Yeah, absolutely. I think. Um... It it's, sounds similar to what I was saying earlier about, you know, slowly being able to get people into your uh, kind of world um, in a very easy and inviting way. Um, are you are you personally able to t- tell the difference between the gluten-free and the regular crust? The gluten-free is slightly thinner. So, you, yeah, I've eaten so many of our pizzas <laughs> now. I, I, I'm, not, uh, I'm not the perfect... <laughs> um, you know, I'm not the perfect taste tester yeah. for the gluten free because I've eaten so many of ours. But, but I, it's the best one I've ever tried. Obviously, I'm going to say that. Yeah, but of course. I, I wouldn't have launched something. You know, we, we did create a few using different products um, and ingredients, and I, we just weren't happy with it. We mm. didn't want to release something that we weren't 100 percent behind. So when we when we when we discovered this space um, and put it together ourselves with our own twist. Uh, we knew we were onto something special and, and we just had to get it out there. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm really excited with it. And I actually, it, I personally would eat the gluten-free over our regular pizzas. Oh, really? Um, and that's how much I like it. Wow. But I'm, I'm a fan of a slightly thinner crust, whereas our, our traditional classic range are, are sort of halfway between deep pan and thin crust. So we're trying to, <laughs> you know, we're trying to sit somewhere safely in the middle. So we're not excluding anyone 
because of their preferences. Uh, whereas the, the new gluten-free one is slightly thinner, which mm. I prefer. Yeah, it's more like an Italian New York style, sounds like. Um, Absolutely. But we'll, have, we'll send you one to try, Daniel, with the rest of them. And oh, that's awesome. Let me know what you think. Yeah, I'd love that. That would be, that'd be amazing. Um, yeah, I've no, I noticed that the on the, uh, on the mushroom pizza, um, the crust kind of reminded me of sort of the standard American style uh, yeah. pizza, which was really nice because... Um, since I've moved to the UK, almost everyone here, it's, it's pretty, pretty thin crust. Um, and I'm, mm. I'm from California. So, um, we don't really do the New York style there very much. Um, yeah. As, or as much. So it was really nice to get that kind of a little bit more texture and feel to the crust, which, uh, you don't need to fold it for example, which is, um, really welcome. Exactly. Yeah. I, I quite yeah. like that. And the, we, we found when we did our market research before we launched, we found that a lot of the, the deep pan pizzas out there in, in the frozen market in the UK, um, you, you'd get a lot of, a lot of uh, pizza base and the ratio from pizza base to the sauce and the toppings was pretty poor. Mm. So you'd end up just eating, you know, it'd be like 80, 90% dough and there'd be hardly any sauce, hardly any cheese, hardly yeah. any toppings. So we made sure that we got that ratio right so that, that we don't want anyone coming to us saying, I really like your pizza, but I had to add my own sauce or I had to add more cheese or, yeah. you know, I wanted more mushrooms. We've always made sure and prioritized the fact that this is a premium product and, you know, you pay a little bit more, but you're never going to have to add your own toppings. You know, we, we put on as much as we would want to have ourselves if we bought this pizza. Yeah. And that's just part of our ethos is that we, you know, we make these all ourselves and, it's a family business, so we really care what people think of it. You know, we're not we're not just trying to churn out loads of cheap products so that we can make a quick buck. It's about making something that um, people really, you know, have an ex- they can share an experience having this pizza, and it it gets them thinking twice. But also, it's uh, it's something we can be proud of when they say how how much they loved it, and you know, people are buying it for their friends and family, and and uh, we're proud that it it is a pizza worth shouting about. Yeah, and. Um... I think it. I think it really is. I think you're. You guys are doing a great job. The, the mushroom one I, I tasted was really delicious. Um, I promised myself I'd only eat half, and um, that was a promise I broke very quickly. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it was really good. And There's nothing wrong with that. No, <laughs> certainly not. Um, and yeah, I think I think you're doing. I think you are doing a really great job. And ultimately, in the long run, if you're, um, you know. It does, like you said, if, if it costs a little bit more and you're really putting uh, kind of the love and, and attention into it that you need to rather than just churning out a quick product, uh, it ends up being, I think it ends up being benef- more beneficial for you as a business and for you as individuals working at the company as well as for your customers. I mean, that's how you create a brand that people can trust is when they know, you know, this is made with love basically and, and with, exactly. with thought. Um, I'm I'm really curious to know on a slightly different topic, just out of curiosity, because are you expanding into Europe as well? Or are you currently focused only in, in the UK? At the moment, we have uh, one wholesaler based in Holland okay. uh, called Next Foods. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, not, not far from Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they distribute for us across Europe. So we're, we're gradually without... Um, we're a very small team. So most of our energy at the moment is, is based in the UK. Sure. Uh, and for the UK market and uh, we're very limited in terms of how quickly we can grow because we're growing so much in the UK but um, our wholesale is doing really well out in Holland and they're now talking about 
helping us get the pizzas over into Norway and some other countries in Europe. Nice. Um, but yeah, we've got, we're in a couple of jumbo. Um, so we're in quite a few jumbo supermarkets now across Holland, which is really exciting. And uh, they're working their way through the rest of Europe very slowly, but we're hoping within the next two years, um, once we increase our production significantly yeah. uh, and we know we can keep up with demands, we're going to be focusing on Germany. That's our next country. Um. And so that was my um, my next question. Just because of the size of the population that uh, that's uh, eating, yeah, yeah, gotcha. So Germany, that that was really the, the what I was wondering is um, where in Europe is there the most demand for plant based or vegan foods? We looked into this recently. It's really interesting. So uh, as you can imagine, UK, UK and Ireland are, are right at the top. Yeah, um, Germany are up there, uh, but actually. I believe it was it was per capita. It was uh, it was Switzerland and Sweden. I can be wrong. I could be wrong with that, but it, yeah, I think Switzerland and Sweden uh, per so capita were actually eating more vegan food. But I think that's more about the demographic. Okay, um, yeah, it could be. You know, the av- average income plays a large role in, in what people eat. True. But uh, in terms of the amount of vegan food being consumed, I think because of the UK population, um, it's it's you know it's it's still one of the biggest markets. But Germany. Uh, would be the next logical step for us because um, they've got a huge um, a huge number of people who are eating, reducing the amount of meat and dairy they eat, and that's one of the fastest growing markets is in Germany. So we've got right. we've got our our pizza eyes set on Germany next. Yeah, excellent. Well, um, I'll let my friends know. I have a couple of friends living in um, in Stuttgart, so I'll let them know. Uh, oh, great! For it. Yeah. Um, did I hear? I, I thought I read somewhere that you're also looking or of you've already gone into the US? Uh, no, it's, it's, we're talking to some people out there. Um, so the challenge for us is that the US market is, is so enormous compared to the UK market. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think, I think after some initial research, we've, we've predicted that for every pizza we sell in the UK, if we have the right uh, distribution in America, it would be one pizza in the UK first. 300 pizzas sold in America so that's how much bigger the market would be so and and we only have our own little um production site in Norfolk at the moment which which we're expanding and growing as quickly as we can but we need to be ready for America when it happens so we we think probably next year the year after we'll start um you know we'll start focusing on America when we know we've got the production to keep up with the demand yeah and it's a it's a cool place to actually start to make a change because, like you said, it's it's the number one fast food. So if you can kind of convince people, actually, a plant based pizza is pretty good. It almost makes I would imagine it would if I had if I had a one um, one planet pizza for the first time and I thought actually you know what this is um this is pretty good and, and the, there's no animal products. My next question is: Is there anything else that could where that I can have that's plant based, and it sort of like kind of opens up this uh, this world. And now I'm all of a sudden curious. Maybe there are other things. Uh, yeah. And pizza is like a really sort of easy, uh, kind of not intense way to to get started in the world of plant food. Yeah. Plant based food. It's a perfect vehicle for change. Hopefully, and yeah. it, it gets people thinking about, like you say, what else? You know, if a pizza can be vegan with the cheese on it and tastes just the same and looks the same yeah surely a burger can surely i can find some fish and chips out there that's vegan and uh, yeah, it's really exciting meeting people who haven't ever you know 
thought about eating vegan food before. They yeah. probably do accidentally. And, and when they try the pizza, it's great to see their mind, um, you know, almost trying to break through those barriers. And suddenly they think, well, you know, yeah, what else can I eat? This doesn't sound as bad as I thought it was. Yeah, exactly right. So um, in terms of... Um, you mentioned a bit of activism for plant food um, just as we start to, to wrap up here. Um, it, what are some of the other things that you do? I mean, aside from being, um, aside from championing, championing uh, plant-based pizza and um, slowly getting people into the realm of uh, plant-based foods, what, what else do you do on a day-to-day -day basis to be environmentally sustainable that might inspire some of the listeners here to also go maybe a bit more eco-friendly? Off the top of my head, one of the things I can think of is that um, so we get a lot of our ingredients come through in, in plastic bags into the kitchen. Mm. And um, we're always thinking, you know, what can we do to reduce our waste from the kitchen, from the production site? So we, we hand out all these plastic bags now to our staff. And I've got I've got a big bag of about 20 of them at home. And I use those as a bin liner. So I'm not now I'm not buying any bin liners, which are made of plastic. I'm reusing what we've already had from the kitchen, giving it a second life. Um, and that's kind of just outside the box thinking. Yeah. You know, it's, it's looking at a normal product that you, you'd normally just throw in the bin and it, you'd never see it again. It'd end up in landfill and saying, well, actually, that could still serve a purpose. And, and it's just trying to think about where else you can use these things. Um, that's, a really good, and that's it, a good one. For example, we, we did a big batch of, um, of the Funky Feast pizzas last week. And um, after we cooked up the mushrooms, the exotic mushroom mix in in this um, rapeseed oil, garlic and balsamic mix, we then cook the mushrooms and cool them and let them dry out before topping the pizzas. And then obviously we have quite a few liters of this lovely mushroomy mix. And then we hand out with the staff, I take about a liter home and you can use that in your, in your cooking. You know, it gives it a great mushroom flavor for your soup or for your gravy. Um, so it's just it's just kind of thinking outside the box and using what resources you already have, yeah. And and giving things a second life is really important. And again, it comes back to the point we were making earlier, which is um, first of all, you're you're reducing your waste, and second of all, again, you're saving money by doing. I mean, there's absolutely financially it makes sense, and and also where else? I mean, if you you could probably in theory sell that oil for like yeah. five or six pounds <laughs> yeah. a bottle, and um, that some people, someone would buy that, you know, and here it is getting yeah. it for free and it's avoiding waste. Yes. Yeah, so it's just, it's trying to be more clever about what you've already got. Yeah. I think that's a really important message. Um, and ev everyone can, we can all be doing better, but uh, it's about, it's, it's a journey, isn't it? And it, you learn as you go and you just be open to change. Uh, you know, I'm still, I recently swapped over to using uh, Lush. I don't know if you've been into one of the Lush stores they're all across the uk we're one of the leading sustainable um they do sort of um, hair beauty products yeah but uh, they do it's very zero waste mm -hmm. um forward-thinking brand and they do these deodorant blocks which look like soap they're like a very hard block of soap yeah and uh, it's just essentially deodorant but in a solid form you get it in a stainless steel tin and you just rub it under your arms instead of a deodorant which you would spray which we know are are not ideal for the planet and, yeah. uh, and they go into landfill because they're mixed material. So um, we now use this at home. We now use this zero waste deodorant and, uh, and I've started buying it as, as a gift for people I know and spreading the message. Oh, so that's awesome. it's, it's not just using something yourself. It's kind of actually I can go out there and tell other people to, I can show them how good something works. Yeah. And it's more sustainable and 
and uh, you know try and encourage other people to use what I I can personally vouch for myself. Yeah. Well, thank you for letting me know. I've been trying to look for for an alternative because I don't I don't use spray, but yeah. I use the kind of the roll on um, that comes in plastic, and I never know. It's, I know it's a shame, isn't yeah, it? I don't I don't really like it. Um, yeah, no. Get yourself down to Lush and um, ask them about the deodorant bars. That that's one of the best things. I've done recently that I'm now championing all over the place. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, yeah, and thanks for for outlining those. I think those are some really great tips that people can use on a day to day basis. And I'll certainly be uh, checking out the deodorant block as well. Um, and so, as, as we wrap up here, where can sure. uh, people uh, learn more about the work you're doing, or place, uh, or actually taste some of the the delicious pizza that you make? Uh, or follow you for news and updates? Okay, so most of what we do, we um, we champion on social media. So you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, we use Instagram stories pretty much every day mm. to try and share us, you know, share our top tips and show people what it takes to run an ethical vegan pizza brand. Um, so you'll see our faces on there most days. Cool. Um, we also have a blog on our website. We're rebranding and relaunching our new website, just oneplanetpizza.com, uh, over the next couple of weeks. But there's a lot of information about how we started and, and what we're doing um, and all about the pizzas and flavors and where to find them is on the website. Um, but you can also buy our pizzas on Ocado, which is the UK's largest online supermarket. Mm -hmm. uh, we're also on the Vegan Kind supermarkets, alternative stores, and about 500 independent health stores across the whole country. Um, on a website, there's a stockist locator, so you can zoom into your area, type in a postcode, and uh, find out where your nearest stockist is. Yeah, that's um, um, that stockist locator is how I found it. Um, it's really helpful, really, really yeah. big help. And I was surprised. Um, it's it's hard to miss. I mean, you've done a, a really great job of being spread around, especially in London. I mean, that's where I was looking, but um, it, it's basically, I mean, wherever you go, almost there's within. Uh, a walking distance almost there's pretty much a place that you can buy it so um no excuse at least if you're living convenient. in london yeah, yeah exactly excellent so we're also going to be catering a number of uh, sort of leading vegan plant-based food events this year and oh, there's cool. a list of events on our website um but we're going to be at vegan life live this year uh, the plant-based expo um and i think we're at om yoga which is the largest yoga um natural mm -hmm. health a healthy living show in London as well. Oh, wow. Awesome. So you have a, a very busy schedule and um, you're getting the, the word out there and getting uh, getting it everywhere. Sounds like there's a lot of places we can go to, to actually find you and meet you. And, Absolutely. And eat it. Yeah, we're not shy. <laughs> yeah, it's important. Um, all right, Joe, well, thank you so much for your time. It's um, We're all rooting for you here and uh, looking forward to seeing how um, how the new pizzas develop, um, any flavors that are coming out in the near future and uh, being spread all over the world. So thanks again for your time. Oh, pleasure. I'm really honored for you to have me and uh, keep up all the great things you're doing to raise awareness for sustainability. I really appreciate that. Oh, thanks very much. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, give us a five-star rating. And also, please subscribe, whether on your podcast app or on YouTube. And that way you can be the first to know about new episodes. Thank you very much and talk to you soon.